People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Sustainability is close to my heart. I strive to live in a way that reduces energy consumption. I'm aware of my carbon footprint. And when I can, I try to bring the best of the sustainability in commercial real estate to light in order to motivate others and provide some inspiration for our industry and beyond. Today's guest will do exactly that. Joe Raza has recently been hired by Ryan Companies as their new chief sustainability officer. He's based in Atlanta and brings to commercial real estate over 25 years of deep and strategic experience committed to environmentalism and sustainability. Our conversation today focuses on the state of the sustainability industry across commercial real estate and what specifically he was brought to Ryan to accomplish. There is a lot on his plate, but he's very hopeful about this industry and what it can do to help combat climate change in a meaningful way. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Joe, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Vlad. Good to be with you. Where uh, do we find you today? Where Where are you? I'm at my house in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm with Ryan Companies based in Atlanta, Georgia. But uh, yeah, I'm here in my home office. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so Joe, uh, just as a little bit of a background and sort of, uh, you know, what, what, what you've done in your past and sort of how you got to where you got to, just for our listeners, give us a little bit of an overview, you know, of your kind of winding road, as I like to say, and, you know, how, how you got to, you know, sit here in front of me today. You bet. Yeah. So I focus on sustainability uh, and I've been doing that for nearly 30 years, but I am brand new to the real estate sector which has been, it's been a fascinating six months or so since I joined Ryan Companies. Um, you know, my, I'm an environmental engineer by training and truthfully, my, my passion for the subject even began like when I was in high school, but um, I'm an environmental engineer by training and I've worked over my career, uh, both as a consultant and as an industry sustainability leader. So, you know, my consulting days, I worked with a lot of big branded companies that you're familiar with that are either in your pocket, your closet, or your refrigerator, mostly at the strategy and program design level, typically um, for organizations that have made transformative sustainability commitments that really want to have sort of an impact, a positive impact on the environment in ways that are driving uh, social and economic value and that give their brand and company reputation greater purpose. So I've kind of been playing in that space for a long time. That's half my career. And then the other half was actually as a, an industry, you know, uh, in industry, I was with the Coca-Cola company for a dozen years in their corporate office working on sustainability strategy. There I had a uh, heavy focus on water stewardship and water neutrality and, you know, water risk management 
uh, but certainly, um, you know, touching on some of the other subjects. So it's been kind of a mixed uh, background, which I think it's been fascinating, you know, Vlad, to walk into the real estate sector, relatively new to the sector, and just making a bunch of interesting observations and learning the space is truly a fascinating space. And I can tell you within the the first six months of the work, it's been a... um, it's just been very exciting. It's a very thrilling space to be in from a sustainability standpoint right now. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about um, just for our audience again. What what does Ryan com- com- companies do? Um, you, you're in Atlanta, but the company's based in Minneapolis. Um, just a little bit of an overview of uh, you know the enterprise and sort of where 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 they are, both geographically but also within the industry. You bet. No, I appreciate it. Well, Ryan Companies is uh, over 80 years old. We've been around for a long time. Uh, we have different service lines. So we, uh, we do real estate development. We have an A, A&E team, architecture and engineering, the ability to design. Uh, we have a big construction arm, so we build a lot of different things. Uh, real estate management and building services. So we, we manage about 18 million square feet there. And then we have a capital markets practice that works with equity partners to kind of piece the financing together, the investment together, and also to sell assets that we maybe build uh, ourselves or with our partners. So it's really all those service lines. Our primary sectors are industrial with a heavy concentration on e-commerce, but we're also doing a lot in food and beverage. Healthcare, senior living, multifamily. We have a national build to suit practice and we do retail. We do a wide range of other things as well, but uh, that's kind of the, the, pro, the, the service lines and the different sectors that we play in. We've got 17 offices around the United States, and I know a lot of your listeners are on the West Coast. We've got about 70 people in San Diego. We've got about 50 people in Bellevue, Washington. So we've got a pretty good presence there. We're doing a, you know, a lot of uh, industrial projects, some senior living and multifamily and healthcare in, in the West Coast market. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, some good some good growth there, some new developments there. So it's an exciting part of our business on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. So, um, what interests you you about about the company? I mean, you were working for these, you know, consumer packaged goods, um, you know, come come companies before. I think their outlook on sustainability and uh, the environment, I think, is you know very different. Maybe what. Uh, you know, a, a you know typical commercial real estate firm would 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 do or you know look at. Tell us sort of how that process made you um, interested to you know join this industry. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, part of the answer is personal, and then some of it's I think what was pulling Ryan you know in this direction as well. So, you know, for for me the the attraction to be on the front lines of something important, right? So the built environment has you know, significant contribution to climate change, right? 40% of greenhouse gas emissions come out of buildings in the built environment. It's a, you know, and there's also land conversion that has watershed impacts and biodiversity impacts. So I think, you know, just the ability uh, to walk in and try to work to transform the relationship between the built and natural environments was, you know, was a problem that I was very much attracted to, you know, uh, so that was, you know, but my brand of sustainability, and I think if you talk to other sustainability professionals around the country and around the world, they'll have their own little angle on it, you know. Uh, and so my angle is very much around how can sustainability be something that supports the mainline growth strategy of the enterprise, right, by either mitigating risks or creating some new opportunities. So when, you know, when, and so it's a very much a business case strategy driven program 
lot of culture change, a lot of innovation. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I've been doing for a lot of my career. And I've talked to plenty of companies out there that, you know, wanted to do something on sustainability, but I was like, well, that's not really, you know, it's not really what I do. They had a different version of it. But when I sat down with the Ryan leadership and we started to talk through this, uh, we realized that there was a strong level of alignment between the mission here, the 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 upside, and I, and Vlad, I think we'll get into that in the course of this discussion. But you know, the opportunity-rich environment that it is, this is a this can be a very positive story. There's a place for market leadership here, and you know, we just felt like there was a there there. And so as we talked through it, you know, and Ryan is a tough company to get on board with. You know, they have a very rigorous process for hiring. And so, you know, we had a lot of strategic conversations, which I, we both benefited from because we were able to kind of level set in the line on, you know, the general direction of things. So, you know, I liked, I was telling some friends, I was like, well, you know, I got this interview. And then when I got out of the interview with, I was like, this is, this, this company understands what I do. You know, and it was just such a good fit, you know, and uh, most folks and uh, companies that you talk to are proud of who they work for. I am, too, with Ryan. The culture here is fantastic. You know, it's got that Midwestern vibe. Sure. Everybody's really, really smart, down to earth, get things done kind of crew. And I felt all the way, all the way around strategically and culturally, it was a great fit for me. Yeah. So you've been under a job now for a few months. I believe the announcement came out in October that, that you were brought, right. brought on, right? Um Tell us, you know, outside of obviously, you know, working with, uh, you know, leadership and then the, you know, executives, what have been some things that you've noticed throughout the industry, you know, things that are kind of maybe, you know, hit you on day one or maybe after a couple of weeks, like, wow, that's interesting how they do it like like that. <laughs> and and not sp- and I'm not asking you to sort of, you know, in, in any way criticize Ryan, more just, you know, the, the, no. the industry as a whole, th- things that you're noticing that, um, you know, where, where you, you think some, you know, impact can be made right away. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this, you know, to me, some of the like objective observer walking into this sector, like the first impressions, right? Um, you know, uh, all, nothing I'm saying I, I, I'm confident is a broad, broadly accurate, but, uh, you know, the observations that I made is that sustainability in this sector, you know, has l- been largely bit, been driven by certification schemes, lead and otherwise. Like that's been the, the central organizing right. principle for sustainability in the sector, which is interesting because, you know, a lot of other companies out there, you know, non-real estate sector, that is not what's going on. You know, they're really more focused directly on the actual outcomes of, you know, decarbonization, water stewardship, biodiversity, natural capital, you know, in the environmental space. So that was very interesting to me, you know, and it was, they were, they seemed, the industry seems to be bogged down in the certification schemes. You know, it's changing a little bit now as you see some of the big players out there shift toward, you know, net zero carbon goals and things like that. We, ha- we need a more direct path. So that was my first observation. My second observation was, and again, this is not the, the case all the time, but there are scenarios within the sector where long-term assets are being built on relatively short-term interests, right? So folks get together, they piece, piece a deal together, they kind of build the building, they sell the building, and they go build their next building. And, you know, and that asset eventually makes it on somebody else's long-term books. So, you know, so to me, you know, that, that, that creates an opportunity to say, okay, how do we drive sustainability in a space where asset hold times can be really short? So you have to work to decouple the ROI for uh, sustainability investments from, you know, the actual ROI, the asset sale. And so there's uh, that's an opportunity for partnership and entrepreneurship. We, I see an opportunity in that space to kind of move things forward. 
So, you know, I feel like the other big observation I would make, and it's probably because it was certification driven mostly, uh, and hopefully that's not ruffling some folks' feather. I know there's people out there doing it in different ways, but that's generally what the impression has been. But, you know, the case for sustainability goes, you know, it's got a financial ROI benefit. It's got productivity benefit. You know, we need to talk about intangible value of corporate reputation and brand value. These things all are, you know, significantly important to, to, to client organizations. Sustainability has a lot to offer in terms of increasing resilience to climate change and extreme weather. So, you know, part of the business case here is around resilience. And then creating that shared value that gives companies and their, their buildings and their products you know, greater social and environmental purpose, all of this stuff is really valuable. And I just feel like this, the, there's a big opportunity to, sh to kind of show clients how we can bring all that together to make a stronger business case for more transformative sustainability investment. Very exciting. So I just feel like there's some, some things we can do here uh, to work toward that ultimate goal of transforming the relationship between the built and natural environment. Those are some initial observations. I'm learning a lot too. So um, that's fun for me. Yeah. You, you mentioned the standards, which I think is, it, it is an interesting sort of ev ev evolution, how, how they've come into play. And, you know, back in the day it was primarily just USGBC that kind of led with its, with its, you know, you know, lead, um, Certification and also accreditation for for um, you know people, but that's now evolved into additional standards popping up. So I know now the you know new one that's kind of interesting is the Well Standard. Uh, there's obviously Living Building Challenge, which is based you know here in Seattle where you know we are, which is very rigorous. But what I've also noticed is that there are some local ones that have been popping up. So in Europe, you know Reem, for instance, is a is a is a big one. But also locally, like hyper locally in the Pacific Northwest, there's one called Salmon Safe. Do do you think that that we're going down this route where the messaging of the sustainability in in order to be successful almost has to be sort of more more localized? You know, so like in Atlanta, I don't know what's what could be the you know you know big environmental driver there, but you know may, maybe there's a you know certain owl or something that you know lives there or something where. Sure. You know, it it could be tied to to something specific like that, or 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 do you still see kind of value in some of these kind of multi, uh, you know, multinational kind of big um, association type, you know, um, systems being being put into place? Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's really, um, yeah. That the, you're really your question really aligns with the, the direction that our strategy is going in. So, you know, just kind of to break this down a little bit. The certification schemes have benefited the sector for more than 20 years, right? It's it's a major organizing principle. It's driven a lot of environmental benefit. I feel like it will continue to do that. It, you know, and third-party verification of sustainability performance generally is a good thing, right? You know, when you get into claims and uh, so I, I, I feel like they've been good. You know, we, we, they're helpful tools. Ryan has strong capabilities to, you know, across a range of sustainability certification schemes. We'll continue to nurture and grow that. Our strategy is, is, um, is bringing a, a second way, basically, <laughs> which is more st strategic and business case driven, I would say. Not to, not to sort of, um, you know, suggest that the certifications aren't, don't drive some value in that regard, but it's a more direct path to straight decarbonization, sustainable water balance, sustainable materials. It's taking a much more direct path to that. So, um, you know, but, you know, on the issue, and we can get into, I think we should get into the details of that a little bit, Vlad, but 
on the if, issue of hyperlocal, so um, when, when we, the kind of strategies that we want to be putting together for our clients around sustainability in their real estate portfolios are very much focused on sort of this golden triangle of business, government, and civil society and communities working together. So the hyperlocal thing is for long-term sustainability practitioners, local relevance is the number one guiding principle. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do something that's not locally relevant. So it could be salmon in the, in the Pacific Northwest. It can be other issues, environmental justice, racial equity issues in certain parts of the country. It can be, uh, you know, water stress and drought and resilience. It could be hurricane. Res There's a lot of different things, you know, but local relevance is, is one of the most primary guiding principles. So with, with a strategy that kind of looks more at how can we achieve decarbonization, net zero carbon, water neutrality in ways that support the local economy, the, you know, have more connectivity to the social and environmental fabric of that local context. That's really where we're headed. So, um, you know, in the short term, the certification schemes kind of help, but we're really looking at more of this golden triangle type of an approach, which we feel um, uh, is the right thing to do because it um, directly addresses local challenges. It puts business in partnership with local communities to, to, for us to go shoulder to shoulder to face the challenges in that area. And we just feel like anytime you can strengthen the relationship between, you know, business and communities, it's a positive. So, um, but yeah, the, the certification schemes will always kind of be a part of the landscape because for some clients out there, that's their starting point, you know? Right. And so, right. um, so we're, we're going to stay with that. We're going to continue to evolve that. There's one other point that I'd like to make about this. So there is a the management challenge because as you listed off those, like maybe 10 years ago, you might've just said USGBC. Now we're looking at a lot of different standards. Now, as you, as the, as a lot of the sustainability dialogue in this country is focused on decarbonization and net zero carbon and water neutrality, it's a different kind of approach where you have to now also consider safe in for us uh, our materials of construction. And so now you're looking at supplier sustainability and you're looking at, sure. you know, a proliferation of sustainability certification schemes around specific project, you know, products. Lumber has a couple and, you know, different things. So we're starting to get into this realm where there's just a lot of complexity in all of this. We have to manage it. We have to reconcile it. Uh, but at the end of the day, focusing on, you know, decarbonization, water stewardship type outcomes helps us kind of not lose sight of the main thing a little bit. And let's just focus on, you know, the benefits. And I think in the long term, uh, sustainability certifications, again, will remain. But the ability to get to, to talk to tenants, owners, equity partners around the actual you know, real hard benefits of, uh, you know, a net zero carbon structure, a water neutral structure that's kind of integrated with the social, environmental, and economic fabric of a local community, the way we were just talking about, like, that's going to have impact. That's going to add to asset value and, uh, and things like, and things like that. So. Yeah. If you can imagine kind of a, you know, tightrope and, you know, one side is pushing, one side is pulling. Well, maybe rope is a bad, is a bad metaphor, but, but if there is a sort of a pull push kind of, um, um, you know, scenario, my observation has been so far that, you know, at least in the last sort of decade and kind of maybe some of the earlier days, there's been more of a pull in terms of, you know, the tenants and certain, you know, end users were kind of asking for certain things to actually happen, right? Uh, your hiring is actually the the opposite of that. It's it's now the industry is pushing towards, 
you know, uh, more sustainability in the inside the um, industry. And I'm and I'm sort of and I'm sort of curious. You know, it, it, do you see that evolving? Do you, do you see that changing? Do you see others following what you know you guys are doing? Because I'll I'll be honest. One of the things that I've heard throughout the years, and and again, my you know sphere is primarily West Coast, where you know commercial real estate has been. You know, you know, on a on a high in the in the last decade, and 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 especially in the in the in the Bay Area, where a lot of developers sort of didn't see value in a lot of environmental things because they felt I'm going to lease the building anyway. There's not enough space; it doesn't matter, and it's just going to cost me more to implement some of some of these uh, some of these things. So, so I'd love to hear kind of this, you know, pull pull push, you know, wh- where you think. You know the momentum is is heading. Well, I think you know for me, um, you know, we I've just got through doing sort of a industry or market assessment, looking at some broad mega trends, right? So, um, you know, we have to start with some sobering realities, which we've already touched on here. Uh, it's not really the nature of your question, but I want to just emphasize that forty percent of greenhouse gas emissions, a lot of land conversions, you know, but the built environment has consumes a lot of resources, has a lot of environmental impact. You know, you're starting to see policy trends toward, you know, like Title 24 in California. You're starting to see mandates around solar. You're starting to see a lot of um, clients that are building their real estate footprint that where they, uh, their company has, uh, they do something else. You know, they're not a real estate development company, but they have real estate as part of their business. They've made big corporate commitments on decarbonization and that, you know, and so now a lot of their commitments and their goals are starting to trickle into their construction management and real estate functions. So now we're starting to see that. So there is a bit of a pull now with some of your larger clients out there and smaller clients. We're also seeing trends um, in, you know, equity partners, ESG related investments, you know, and there's a growing wedge of socially responsible investors. Those trends have been increasing over the last 10 years or so where, where you know, there's a there's an investor base that is very hungry for more sustainable investments. And I think that what's been really interesting in, say, the last six months, I don't know, something like that, where um, even, you know, the, the folks that ultimately own large portfolios of assets are all building ESG teams, uh, environmental, social, and governance for your folks that don't know, that's kind of a, a synonym for sustainability. They're all building sustainability teams, making carbon commitments. So I'm just seeing this kind of triangulation on our sector that says, you know, we've got all these different stakeholders that make our business go, all communicating that we need to do this more sustainably. Uh, not to pick on the certification schemes, they're not necessarily saying we need LEED certified everything. They're saying, no, we need net zero carbon or we need 100% renewable. You know, So there's been a, a, I, I sense a big shift here toward the, this very strategic outcome. And that's where you know, at Ryan, we just see, and the leadership sees, a very significant market opportunity for us to get out ahead of this uh, and to innovate around some of the barriers that you talked about. Some of them are cultural, institutional. Um, you know, I'm not going to get any more rent out of that. Well, that question remains to be answered. There's anecdotal research right now, and we sug- we think that's going to be one of the thought leadership things that we're going to focus on heavily is really understanding, you know, tenant appreciation for more sustainable assets. And so if you start to put all this together, we feel like, you know, uh, asset values, deal velocity, NOI, all of that can be significantly enhanced with the right strategy for sustainability. So there's some push, you know, I would say on the push side, there's a lot of pull, but on the push side, 
you know, one of the things that we're, you know, working on right now that'll become common practice is, you know, um, take my words carefully here, Vlad, but regardless of what a client might be saying around sustainability, we have some that they want maximum sustainability performance, and we have others maybe a little bit more indicative of the question that you asked. Like, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me, you know, whatever. But we're saying, wait a second, let's look at this. Uh, every project should get a baseline sustainability opportunity review to make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're using the most efficient uh, materials, uh, we're stripping as much energy out as we can, you know, just making sure that we're, you know, uh, that we're, we're driving the most value that we can on a baseline level. So we can go back to clients and say, look, it's not going to cost you any more money. It might even be a little bit cheaper. But here's a little bit of something on your sustainability performance, because we think it may not be 100 percent important to you today. But just keep this piece of paper and know that you've got a more sustainable asset, because we think down the road, somebody's going to want to know. <laughs> yeah, right. You know. Right. So that's the push. That's the push a little bit. And we feel like between the pull and the push, we can navigate that to, um, you know, to really start to make that transformative shift we've been talking about. Yeah, makes sense. In terms of um, what uh, table stakes are, you know, I am, you know, kind of curious where we are today. You know, when when we launched our business about 15 year, years ago, the big sustainability practice was, you know, having three bins inside the office, you know, a green one, a black one, and a blue one, right? Um, yeah. And then people started, you know, getting their lead accreditation and certifying buildings and, you know, things like like that, you know. Um, but very quickly, you know, you know, net zero has kind of been something that over the last maybe five, six years has been, you know, popping up. And there have been some projects that have, you know, um, you know, really strive to accomplish that um, goal. I imagine at some point that will be the table stakes. So where are we kind of in that, in that you know spectrum of of you know, ho- hoping net zero is where we end essentially in the next you know decade? I hope right. Yeah, well, that's correct. I, you know, my, I feel like today, um, you know, the minimum people should be looking at is a fifty percent, you know. Uh, decarbonization, a 50% reduction in carbon emissions. That's kind of, you know, I've done some assessment of what's going on in the industry. There's certainly some laggers out there that really have nothing planned. Uh, The leaders are net zero carbon, uh, you know, and then there's a lot in the middle that's, you know, talking about it right now. And they're trying to increase renewables. They're trying to decarbonize. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the myopic focus on decarbonization. It's so strategic. Climate change is an existential issue. I would not ever minimize that, but uh, it's more complicated than that. Water is a huge factor. The, you know, the carbon cycle and the water cycle and the natural environment are highly interrelated. It's only an artifact of, you know, human creativity that we separate these concepts. So, you know, so we need to be focusing on that. So I feel like, you know, table stakes today would be to have a, you know, a pretty, solid climate protection strategy that's looking at at least 50% uh, decarb and uh, increasing renewables and looking at super water efficiency and maybe starting to look at sustainable balance and water neutrality. Uh, but I almost think that if we have this, if we were to have this conversation in six months, we're going to, uh, we're going to say table stakes is net zero carbon. It's moving that fast and you need to get out ahead of it. Yeah. Interesting. And what about um, energy, um, ener- energy, energy creation? You said you guys also do do stuff on the industrial side. When you you know think about it, that's a sort of a perfect kind of you know product to to have solar panels, for instance, right? And maybe some energy storage um, attached to it okay. to it. Also, is that kind of an area also where people are looking to uh, accomplish that fifty percent decarbonization? 
Yeah, that's true. That's correct. Yeah, I think increasing renewables is a big thing. I think solar is uh, is a good way to go in most climates. And, you know, particularly in the industrial sector where you have a lot of roof space, it's kind of a straightforward thing. I think, you know, I'm hoping uh, with some of the policy that it won't be as complicated as it is around the country right now. So, you know, Title 24 in California is, you know, it really helps drive it. Uh, you've got other states where, you know, you don't have the incentives, you know, you don't have the policy mandates, you don't have the tax credits and, you know, and the utility may not be as interested. So there's still a lot of geographic nuance to all of that. But uh, we feel that at least in our baseline assessments, you know, certainly evaluating the viability of renewables, particularly solar, I would say, uh, is definitely kind of what's going to be part of our baseline table stakes review, sustainability opportunity review. We feel that that's a big, big point. You know, the other thing I think, you know, it's a little bit of a sidestep of the question, or it's not really the intent of your question, but I just want to mention is that, um, you know, we feel that uh, as we do all of this, you know, trying to work in the right, in the right uh, type of space, real estate space, but trying to rethink the tenant experience around sustainability and to make it more of an immersive experience, we feel that's going to be important because, we, you know, we, we kind of, in sustainability, sometimes we get tied up in the numbers of decarbonization and water efficiency and energy efficiency. And we forget that, you know, uh, people want to work for companies that are making a positive difference in the world. They want to work in a place that's more sustainable. They want to feel like they're a part of that. We feel like that is in completely under uh, sold and communicated uh, there's a there's an opportunity for a much better tenant experience around all of that understanding the environmental benefits the economic benefits right. how that's connected to your point earlier around the social local social fabric and everything so some of that social piece i think is going to also become table stakes in the future you know it's, it's well not and, just the numbers and i think it'll have to be because we have a demographic shift coming you know uh, gen z i think you know is very aware of where we are on, you know, climate change and is going to demand these things. I mean, this won't be just, you know, table stakes. It'll be, it'll be, <laughs> you know, you, they won't even talk to you, right? If you, if, if you don't show some level of, you know, awareness and uh, accountability and some, you know, actionable things that you can show that you've actually done in this space, right? I mean, that's, that's a, that's a huge shift, I think. It's a huge shift. And I've got, I'm raising two Gen Zers myself. And, you know, just uh, as, a, as a father, you know, I've been kind of impressed how they've introduced me to brands on products I never heard of um, that were good performing products that had a sustainability right. message to right. that. So, so their their brand loyalty um, is, is self-determined. You know, they're not so much influenced by, you know, advertising as much are they, they actually will do the research and figure it out, at least the Gen Zs that I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. I have two in my home, in my ho household also. Joe, so there's been uh, some back and forth whether uh, offsets uh, of environmental impact, you know, work and whether that's something that, you know, companies should be doing. I know some are aggressively pursuing it. Some, some are, some are not. Uh, tell us a little bit about sort of where, where you land on this. Yeah, that's true. There's definitely detractors and supporters and, um, you know, uh, renewable energy credits and offsets and even water replenishment restoration credits. There's carbon versions and there's water versions. Um, in the short term, they're really an important part of the overall response to climate change and water stress and things like that. So uh, even the folks that would sell these kind of credits will tell you that they see them as short term measures. 
you know, I think folks that are, Ryan will be in the market for buying some of these credits in the short term. Our long-term strategy has us developing the projects specifically that generate the benefits as, as opposed to buying the credits and the offsets. We'll, do, we'll invest in the projects that create that, you know, uh, we'll develop the projects. But one of the real benefits is, and I love this about uh, water and carbon credits and offsets, is once an organization knows what their footprint is, their carbon and their water footprint, you use a highly credible credit, you can put a financial valuation, an annual cost to what your carbon and water footprint is. Now, other people would say there's other ways to do that through carbon taxes and all that. I get that. But if there's a highly credible, uh, valid offset or a rec that's available for your carbon and water footprint, you can put a number on that and it gets a company's carbon and water footprint on their balance sheet, which I love. So now, you know, in proportion to what your actual impact is. So that sets the stage to say, okay, here's what the annual cost is for our footprints. You know, now let's do the innovation to shrink that through energy efficiency, water efficiency. Let's do the community projects to create the compensatory balance to bring it back down to neutrality or zero. So I really like that um, as a mechanism in the short term. But ultimately, like I mentioned earlier, it, it the intent is to get it to where we're doing direct investments. So you have to you have to, to be credible, there's a few things that, that you have to do. One is you have to be totally focused on shrinking your environmental footprint. That is essential to success. And it's a prerequisite activity. But then when you have the residual footprint that may be hard, harder to get to, you can use the offsets and recs. Again, it's on your balance sheet now. And then over time, you continue to work that way. You don't need the offsets and the recs anymore. So I think it's a powerful and useful tool. It allows you to support community scale projects too that don't just benefit your own enterprise it benefits the community as well so there's sort of that connection to the local community that i like as well so i think there's a good place for them and um, i land on the side that they're good particularly in the short term um let me switch gears here uh, you know a little bit and uh, you know covid's been you know a big topic for 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 all of us uh it's impacted the 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 industry probably in you know many ways maybe even disproportionately so uh, than maybe some some other in industries. Um, how have some of the trends that COVID has accelerated uh, manifested for you guys at you know Ryan? Is it is it looking at sustainability? Is it looking at different ways of doing things? Is it looking at sort of you know how how you approach sort of your 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 you know work work in general? You know how what 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 have been the the impacts of that? It's just been a heck of a thing for everybody to go through. I think. You know, we are uh, learning to be super flexible on location, just like everybody else out there. You know, um, I like the shift toward more, you know, uh, performance, uh, you know, outcomes like everybody can do it in their own time, <clears throat> according to the schedule that works best for them. But, you know, we just need to, you know, be more objective oriented and just, you know, kind of. And, and so I like that because it creates a demand for strategy and strategy management. So you can kind of just keep things moving and <clears throat> people can do the work in their own schedules. That's great. I think, you know, we've had to be attentive to culture, right? And so, uh, you know, just trying to make sure that we, um, we, we still maintain our culture. And so that 
requires some degree of interaction in person and things like that. So just trying to, even though we may have remote work environments, we're bringing people together on, you know, when we can, we're, we're, we feel like we're coming out of this now, hopefully, so we can start getting some folks together. I think the other thing that um, probably a lot of other your other listeners are being more attentive to are the mental health aspects of all this. I think it's been wearing on people. And, you know, um, obviously, uh, that's not nothing new, but it's it's part of the equation in terms of how you deal with this going forward. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, p- pivoting back to pure sustainability, it is it is a dynamic when you start to look at your emissions, you know, because of the to change in commuting. And, you know, and so there's a little bit of like the decarbonization impact here. And so, you know, trying to figure out what the right balance of that is go forward will be kind of interesting. But um, yeah, it's, um, I guess, like everybody here, you and I and all your listeners around the world are hoping that the majority of this event is behind us now. And so we can start to, you know, kind of piece things back together. Yeah. Do you feel that it's heightened the awareness on sustainability in general and the industry as well? You know, I feel like it has in the terms of, you know, um, you know, I don't focus on the indoor air quality things, but I think some of those certification driven and uh, air quality focused things, I think it's definitely increased that kind of focus. Um, I think, you know, if organizations that are using the broader definition of sustainability, that is social, environmental and economic, then absolutely. Right. If we're just talking, you know, and that's, you know, doing this for a long time, you always have to ask people, what do you mean when you say sustainability, right? Is it just the environmental piece? Is it the social, environmental, and economic, the triple bottom line? And by far. So one of the other areas that, you know, is important to our sector uh, from a sustainability standpoint, and it's it's a combination of business continuity and environmental performance. And one of the things that, you know, being a national player with the kind of the big you know, real estate, you know, a- operation that we have nationally is we are beginning to look at national procurement programs, like a lot of folks on, you know, uh, materials and interiors and the different things that go into our projects and trying to make sure that obviously, you know, uh, we can gather up our buy on certain things, say countertops or whatever it is. And we can sit down with those big companies and we can talk about supply chain reliability. We can talk about quality. We can talk about delivery and logistics, but we also are having a conversation around sustainability performance saying, Hey, we can move, you know, you know, whatever it is, 20,000 countertops next year, but we, we have to have a conversation. And so those, are, those conversations are nascent, but they're happening now. And they're very exciting because uh, a few things, you know, and at Ryan, we're taking a very much a partnership mindset, right? I've been in other jobs where it was more of a supplier requirement kind of handed over and it's a compliance activity that just, just doesn't drive a lot of value and it can create a lot of consternation. So we're, sure. we're laying it down in layers. We're saying, let's just start having these strategic conversations. These are the commitments that Ryan is looking to make. This is what we're looking to do in the market. You know, how does your, how does our priorities and goals align with what you're doing? Have that conversation. The early indications of these conversations are that we're very much on the same page. We're also finding about, about innovation pipelines, which is part of that discussion. So, you know, and so we're hearing about different innovations that are coming on board that have significant sustainability benefits. So um, over time, you know, we'll, we, we will eventually get to the point where 
we do have a supplier sustainability program with a scorecard and all of that, but we really want to focus with a partnership mindset on a much more strategic conversation about how we can be good business partners. And then the sustainability performance will flow out of that. And the early indication, Vlad, is that it's, it's an exciting space. And a lot of companies are working on some really cool things that we're looking forward to bringing into what we offer and making sure that our ultimate clients and customers understand that, you know, that's kind of the power of working with a national player. Yeah, yeah. So as we close the conversation here, uh, Joe, I have a couple of questions um, that I would like to, you know, ask you. One is on some of the, you know, trends in terms of things that you've seen that you're seeing kind of evolve in this in this, you know, space, right? Um, and then what about that, you know? Gives you gives you hope. Um, there's been a lot of news about you know the 1200 year drought, the worst you know drought in the West and in, in you know in um, over over millennia, right? Uh, what 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 gives you hope with sort of everything that you know you you see and especially in this industry? Yeah, well that's great. I think you know um, doing this for a long time, I will tell you that, and I, I spent a lot of time doing risk analysis work looking at water stress and the impacts of climate change on, you know, societies and the environment. And it can be a bit of a negative story because it's a very big risk. But if we work together collaboratively in the way, I think we've been hitting on a lot of the elements of that collaboration through the course of this discussion, we land on what Ryan's branded sustainability strategy is, which is thriving sustainably. So what we really want to be talking about what gives me hope is, look, we can we can solve these problems by creating real market opportunities. This, this sector is so ripe for real leadership to step in and say, this is how you do it. This is how you deliver water positive and carbon negative developments in a way that's stitched into that local fabric. So I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of reason for hope there because like these are very solvable problems at this point. I think generally, again, kind of some of my silly observations at the beginning of my career in this sector, but there's a lot of opportunity for partnership and entrepreneurship here that can add a lot of value that we can then be turnkey, uh, very sustainable developments over to a client base and an investment community and an asset ownership base with a growing appetite for more sustainable things, they may not always know exactly how to get there, but we have a line of sight on how to do that. And so I'm very excited because I think we're gonna be able to uh, create more sustainable assets with you know, better operating uh, financials and higher asset sale value and uh, in ways that will have real positive impact on the communities and local economies. It's an exciting time. Uh, so I've got a lot of hope. I'm very. Uh, that's why we call it thriving sustainably. We feel like we can do this in a way that think we can we can really thrive uh, as a business, um, you know, as a country, you know, as a community. Yeah, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This was great, uh, and best of luck in your new endeavors. Thank you, Vlad. It was really good to be with you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.